Thank you for joining me for another Quick Hits Conversation. Today, I would like to talk about what makes something interesting. Wayne, kick us off. My first thought was actually, who do I find interesting? Which I found an interesting direction to go with it. In that uh, I, for a long time, felt like I am interested in people who are geeky in whatever their realm of interest is. So as long as they're really into whatever it is, I can get into it with them, even if it's not something I normally would get super excited about. So someone else's enthusiasm for me is interesting. Hmm. Jim, what came up for you? Yeah, yeah, that, that, that's actually a really interesting point. And that interest appears to be transferable. Mm. So if you're giving a presentation, you're giving a talk, and you don't find it interesting, I can almost guarantee that no one's else going to find it interesting either. So just scratch that, move on to the next one, right? Mm -hmm. So um, that's, that's really useful. Um, if we had to break it down into two components or, you know, short little bullet point of what makes things interesting, I, I would say probably two factors. One would be novelty. Mm -hmm. or newness mm -hmm. okay things that are changing things that are moving blinking flashing whatever i mean novelty counts for interest but also usefulness too mm. in terms of is this applicable can it be used to solve a problem or make things better i think that makes things very interesting yeah for me there's i think two components to your point jim if it's new i then i'm like oh how does that work why does it work that way tell me more about that and to your point wayne if someone else knows about it and I can just ask, like barrage them with questions, yeah, that's really cool for me. The other thing that makes something interesting for me is that it's on the edge of my knowledge. Like it's something I know something about, but there's just a little bit extra that I have to like wrap my brain around. How does that work? Why does it work that way? Wait a minute, hold on. Do I agree with that based on my previous knowledge? But that requires curiosity. If you don't have curiosity, then is nothing interesting? And I was hearing that through our answers. I was like, huh, is this one of the big five personality traits showing up? Is, are those of us who are heavily curious automatically more interested in the world? Probably. Mm -hmm. Are those who are not as curious automatically disinterested? Maybe not. Maybe. I'm not sure. Is openness one of the big five personality traits, Wayne? Mm -hmm. Yes. Which, which I would say, you know, is part of, of curiosity probably yeah the new, newness the openness and I guess part of it too is that you have to be willing to say this is interesting or this is boring and I was in a, on a call last week because I'm part of a research study that I'm doing I had a hard time staying engaged with it and there was lots of like videos and this and that and the next thing and other people were in the chat were like this is so interesting and I'm like why can't I get into this yeah, um, there's also sort of this mm, combination between being challenged mentally mm. and also flow states. So in a flow state, whether you're playing a game or reading a book or trying to understand something, it's just right at the edge of what you can handle. Mm. But if you go too far or if you go too shallow, it's, it's not going to work. So I think that there's a lot that would support that. Hmm. And now I'm wondering if, in addition to the flow state where we're just inside our capabilities, but riding that edge, 
if some of us at least are also super interested when we're just out of our capabilities, we're just into the, that zone of proximal development or deep practice type place where it's like, no, I want more of this mm. tying into your post this week, Robin, about uh, mastery versus dabbling and where do we stop on a skill? Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. I find things, I mean, there are things that I'm interested in, but I know I'm not willing to put the work in to get to that next level of skill development. That's a whole different discussion we can be having. Right. Yeah. Well, and then, so then if you turn it around and if you're trying to either sell or influence someone, how do you make something interesting? To your point, Jim, if you're giving a talk that is boring to you, it's boring to everyone else. How do you make a talk or make something a sale interesting to other people? If without knowing where their edge of mastery or dabbling is. Yeah, I'm going to say one is, is, is enthusiasm counts for a lot, you know, okay. but, but another is understanding what their needs. And to do that, you have to listen first and tune in to their pain points and what they would like to accomplish and what they would like to do so that you can tailor that message accordingly. Mm. I do feel like a lot of times people um, buy, I call them pretty shiny boxes, which is something that someone built, painted really pretty. And then people are like, oh yeah, I want that. And they get in the box and realize, wait, that's not what I wanted. So they're interested in the outside, the sales part of it, but then they're not as interested in what really is in the box. More than ever. Yeah. Yeah. Like it's, it's, it's reading the instruction manual. They love the packaging, but they don't like the manual that goes on the inside. I think there's a lot of that. Yeah. And I'm wrestling with what if you're in a group that you don't have that opportunity to dig in and really listen to and have that exposure to ahead of time. And I realized it works on the short time frame too. And I would call that feedback. I mean, just mm-hmm. taking the feedback from the other person or other people that you're communicating with going, oh, look they seem to be engaged or they seem to be disengaged. So we can take that moment and say, all right, I would not have gone that direction, but you're super excited. Sure. Let's go over here. Yeah. Recognizing what, what creates interest in your audience, I think is important. And I do think that knowing your audience is is a valid point. And the broader your audience is, the harder it is to tailor your message to what's interesting to them. So I think for, for me, definitely enthusiasm. I love that, that, that point. Enthusiasm is a really big part of what makes something interesting. But then the ability to break it down in a way, like, so I, I like string theory. It's fun for me. Do I know enough about it to talk intelligently? Nope. But if someone is really good at talking about string theory, then I can get it. Because I'm like, okay, I understand all those words. I kind of get how they go together. Yeah. And I think that's a skill to be able to do that. I think the third component that I'm tempted to put on the list past okay. novelty and usefulness is insight. And an insight, insight for me is how can you make something complicated much more simple? Mm. And, and that counts for something too. Yeah. And I would shift that slightly thinking of it in terms of perspective. Do you have a new perspective? which triggers that novelty for the person hearing it. Like, oh, this is the same stuff that I've heard all the time, but oh, you're coming at it from a different direction. Ooh, that is interesting. Hmm. Does it take a certain personality to engage in thought experiments? Like the abstractness of interesting things? 
My immediate answer is that I don't know about that layer, but I wonder if there is almost a uh, exhaustion energy management side of things that happens for people is it's hard to be interested when you are tired or if you are just drained. That's true. If you're so overwhelmed with life, you just don't have any room for anything novel or interesting or learning or anything because you're just trying to keep your head above water. Yeah, you have to be one of those extreme curiosity folks who will still keep digging into new things even when your plate is overflowing. Yeah, yeah. I, I do think there are certain people who find conversations that are abstract or esoteric or theoretical to be useless. Um, I have one client who's very practical, pragmatic, tell me how to do it, let's do And thought experience or ex thought, I can talk, hold on. Thought experiments are very hard for her because she doesn't understand the, the reason to go on them. So if you apply the Myers-Bridge methodology, is that sort of the judging versus perceiving? You know, something sort of closed end versus a little bit more open end and and also you know how in general would that fit in with this conversation yeah so there are different personality traits definitely in the way that they um approach information approach other people so yeah that that's a that's an interesting point to look at it too and obviously how you were raised the culture you were brought up in whether you were allowed to engage in fanciful play as a child. Those are, I think, all factors. So we are at our 10 minute mark. So I'm going to say thank you for having this interesting conversation with me about what makes something interesting. Um, I, I feel like there's so much more to unpack there. So thanks so much. And we'll do it again real soon.